Judges 7. We'll start in verse 15. A little recap. The Lord had called Gideon to go uh, up against the Midianites to deliver the Israelites from uh, the oppression of the Midianites. And Gideon was kind of been hesitant up to this point. And God finally told him at the end of the passage that we read last week, all right, if you're still hesitant to go up against this Midianite army that's, that's huge, 135,000 that we'll see in the next chapter, uh, God said, if you still need a little, more, uh, a little more encouragement, a little more faith, then I want you to go down to the edge of the, uh, of the enemy territory there. He was to go down with, uh, uh, among the Midianites with his, with his servant, and when he did, what he, what he heard was this dream that one of the Midianites had, and it was interpreted by another one of the Midianites. And in this dream, if you remember, uh, there was a loaf of bread or a cake of barley bread uh, that was coming down, and it hit the tent of the Midianites, and the loaf of bread knocked the tent over. And the interpretation was, this is what Gideon and the Israelites are about to do to us. That's at least how one Midianite understood this dream that the other had had. And so uh, God was revealing to them that a small force, a weaker force, was going to overtake something that was much stronger. Now, Gideon's force was only 300 men. If you remember, he chose those by the way that they drank water. So it started as 10,000. Uh, it whittled its way down. Uh, until, or excuse me, it started as 22,000. It whittled its way down to 10,000 and then ultimately down to 300 men uh, that was to go uh, with Gideon. And so after Gideon heard this vision uh, interpreted by the Midianites, he was finally ready to trust the Lord and say, okay, let's go and do what you want me to do. So let's pray and then we'll start in verse 15. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words and I pray that we can trust you in the same way that Gideon has, dear Lord. Sometimes we say we need uh, some proof or a little encouragement to, to know that we're supposed to do something for you. But God, let us start in your word because we see time and time again proofs of you working uh, in tough situations and uh, delivering your people, dear Lord, even when they were overmanned and outnumbered. And that's what you did here, dear Lord, and that's what you can do in our life. And so I pray that you would just help us to uh, learn from your word tonight. Hide me behind the cross. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, verse 15. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to Israel's camp and said, Get up, for the Lord has handed the Midianite camp over to you. Now, he speaks pretty matter-of-factly there, and he speaks in past tense. This has already occurred before it has ever happened. God has already handed the Midianites over to Gideon, and they ain't even left their camp yet. Gideon knew that God was going to deliver the Israelites. He had no doubt in his mind about this anymore, and no matter how big or strong the Midianite army was, Gideon told the 300, God has already handed them over to us, so let's just go get it over with because it's already been done, so let's do what God has called us to do. He continues on, verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and gave each of the men a trumpet in one hand and an empty pitcher with a torch inside in the other. So, as we have seen many times in the Old Testament up to this point, the methods and means that God uses for his people to go against their enemies are the things that God calls them to do for whatever situation they're in 
are oftentimes things that don't make any sense. Now, not only were there only 300 men with Gideon, but they weren't even taking weapons with them, or if they were, they aren't mentioned in this passage here. They split up into three groups of 100, and all they took with them was trumpets and pitchers. That is, like a, like a water pitcher. Now, it was a pitcher, and in that pitcher would have been some type of torch. Uh, it's, it seems uh, reasonable that the reason they put the torches in the pitchers were to keep them uh, dark until they got to where they were going. They didn't want the enemy to see them coming. And so the torches were hid until the time was going to come that they were going to be revealed. Now, all of these men, not just Gideon, had to have faith. Because can you imagine going up against, you look out there and you see this huge army, 135,000 people out there, and all you got in your hand is a trumpet and a jar with a, with a torch in it. Now, this is not uh, something that, that, that is going to really save you if you're, if you're talking about battling in a purely human sense. If they were just battling on strength of their weapons, well, then of course the Israelites would have lost. But the Israelites weren't battling with just the strength of the weapons that they had, or should I say did not have, with them. They were battling with the Lord on their side. So regardless of what they would have taken with them, they were going to be successful. Now, whether God told uh, them to bring these things uh, or whether this was just something Gideon come up with, I'm not really sure. It seems as though this could have been something that maybe God had revealed to Gideon, although the text doesn't tell us. So we just kind of have to, we'll have to make an assumption there that whether we think that was uh, what Gideon had come up with or what the Lord had led him to do. But uh, regardless, this is the plan that was set in place for Gideon and the 300 Israelites that were about to go down. Verse 17, Gideon says here, Watch me, he said, and do the same. When I come to the outpost of the camp, do as I do. When I and everyone with me blow our trumpets, you are also to blow your trumpets all around the camp. Then you will say, for Yahweh and for Gideon. So Gideon says, all right, let's go. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of preparation here after God has, has convinced Gideon that he needs to go, that the Midianites have been handed over to the Israelites. He tells them to gather up the trumpet and the, and the torch within the pitcher, and then he says, let's go. And when you see me do what I'm going to do, then you are to follow my lead. Now, what he tells them to do here is that they are to blow their trumpets in the same way that he blows his trumpets. Uh, what it doesn't say here, but it will say in the verses to come, is they are to smash the pitchers that their torches are, are hidden in, and uh, all of that is supposed to happen at the same time, and they are supposed to yell out for <coughs> Yahweh and for Gideon. Again, I don't know where Gideon comes up with this, with this method, with this plan that they are carrying out. It could be something that God has spoken to him or revealed to him or some way, or this could just be Gideon saying, all right, this is the way uh, that it needs to be done. Uh, we just don't know from the text. We don't have the details as to where these, these plans came from, uh, but regardless of where they came from, uh, this is the plans that were carried out and they were successful. So uh, it seems apparent that God did bless these plans, uh, whether uh, Gideon kind of came to these plans on his own or whether God told him to him. Uh, even if Gideon came to these things in his own mind, it no doubt seems as though they probably would have been revealed to him uh, by the Lord. And so Gideon is ready. He's got the troops ready. He gives them their instructions and now they are on their way to go against 
the Midianites. Verse 19. Gideon and the 100 men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch after the sentries had been excuse me after the sentries had been stationed. Now, it says here that they went at the beginning of the middle watch. Now, sometimes we see uh, these mentions of different watches of the night both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, now, in the Old Testament, when we see watches, there are three watches in the night. Now, the first would have started at sundown and would have gone to about 10 p.m., so about uh, from around 6 o'clock, let's say, to 10, about a four-hour span. The middle watch would have been from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., again, about a four-hour span. And the third watch of the night, the last watch, would have been from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And so there's three sections, four hours. And in each of these watches, different guards would be on watch. So the first group of guards would be on watch in the first four hours. Then some more would come and they would switch out. That way they could all get some sleep, but there would always be somebody on guard. They are going, it says here, at the beginning of the middle watch. So this would have been around 10 p.m., give or take a few minutes, but probably a little after 10 p.m., so it would have been late. Most of the Midianites would have been sleeping at this point in time. And here comes Gideon with the 300 men who are with him, uh, kind of in the middle of the night here, going down to attack, if we can call it that, uh, these Midianites. Let's read a little further. They blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and shattered their pitchers. They held their torches in their left hands and their trumpets in their right hands and shouted, A sword for Yahweh and for Gideon. Each Israelite took his position around the camp and the entire Midianite army fled and cried out as they ran. So Gideon and the, and the Israelites here did exactly uh, what they were supposed to do. They had kind of surrounded this Midianite camp and at the, at, when the moment came, uh, you can probably imagine what it may have been like for the Midianites. And this may be some explanation for their reaction. Now, it could just be a purely human reaction. That is, they woke up in panic and fear. It could be that God put some fear into their minds uh, apart from what would be uh, natural for them. But even on a natural level, even if God didn't act supernaturally here among the Midianites, you could imagine what it would be like if you were in a dead sleep tonight and all of a sudden, uh, <coughs> excuse me, you hear the sound of 300 trumpets blowing and if you look out your window and there are 300 torches of light that all of a sudden have shown up because those pictures therein have been shattered and all of a sudden, bam, all this light appears. If you look out your window at night, it would probably look a lot uh, more than, uh, like a lot more than 300 people out there. It would probably sound a lot worse, especially if you were in a deep sleep. So if we're looking just from a, a purely natural explanation there, I think this could be explained uh, naturally. Uh, it could be that by hearing these horns, by waking up and seeing these lights, they thought, oh no, the Israelites have come. Now, I don't know how many people knew of this dream and the interpretation that was had, the one that Gideon overheard. Perhaps word had spread throughout the Midianite army, and perhaps several of them knew. Maybe they were already on a little edge. Maybe they were kind of waiting on Israel to come, and there was fear already there. And then when they hear the sounds and see the lights, uh, it just kind of uh, raises the level of panic and fear to a point 
that it doesn't even say that they begin to fight back against the Israelites, but instead what happens is that the Midianite army fled and cried out as they ran. Now, talk about God fighting your battles for you. They go up against an enemy. They don't even have their weapons, and the enemy flees from them. Now, there are 300 men here up against 135,000, but because of the power of God, the enemy doesn't even attempt to attack them. Because they say, God, I'm trusting in you. I'm going to go where you send me. You're sending us down here to where all these enemies are. God, we're going, and we're going to blow our horns, and we're going to break our jars, and we're going to get our torches out, and we're going to trust you. And lo and behold, guess what? To no surprise to any of us probably, God delivered them. Now, we've seen God do things like this all throughout the Old Testament up to this point. God has done miraculous things, and he continues to do so with those who will trust him. Now, the reason why the Israelites are in this point, in this place, don't forget, is because they didn't trust the Lord. And that's what we see this cycle throughout the, uh, the book of Judges. They don't trust the Lord, they get in a mess, and they have to go through things like that to get back to a point where they will trust the Lord. But sadly, they are short-lived, these, these, these uh, times where they do come back to the Lord. Uh, obviously, they have, um, maybe they have amnesia. They forget what happens, and they go right back to their old ways. But when they are faithful to come back to God and walk with the Lord, guess what happens? God is with them and gets them through tough times. The same is true for you and I. When we are faithful to seek the Lord and walk in obedience to Him, and do what He calls us to do, and trust Him, guess what happens? We make it through life. Even when tough days come, even when hard things come, when we're trusting in the Lord, we are not overwhelmed by the things of the world. When we don't trust the Lord, when we begin to seek our own strength, when we begin to live in sin, guess what happens? We don't overcome these things in our life. These things overcome us. Our fears overcome us. Our worries overcome us. Our stresses overcome us. Our sins overcome us. Why? Are those things greater than the Lord? Nope. They're not greater than the Lord, but they are greater than us. But if we seek the Lord, then we will be greater than those things that we encounter and come up against. And the Israelites never quite learned that lesson throughout the book of Judges. They were up and down, up and down. Well, they've been down. Well, now they're back up. They're as high as you can be. They're trusting the Lord. And the Lord is driving the enemy out before them because they trusted him. Let's read a little further. Verse 22. When Gideon's men blew their 300 trumpets... The Lord set the swords of each man in the army against each other. They fled to Beth Shittah in the direction of Zerarah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola near Tabath. Then the men of Israel were called from Nephtali, Asher, and Manasseh, and they pursued the Midianites. So not only did God make the, the enemies flee before the Israelites, but also the enemy began to fight with one another. Now, not only did, did, did the Israelites not have to fight their enemy, but the enemy killed their own self. They began to draw their swords against themselves. Now, there could have been some uh, miraculous intervention here. It could be that God uh, uh, put it in their mind or allowed them to, uh, to get this way to, 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 to fight against one another. Or it could, again, be a natural explanation. In the panic and all that was going on, they could have simply just kind of have lost it there for a little while and begin to fight uh, one another. 
And God will uh, defeat our enemies in the same way that He defeated the enemies of the Israelites. Uh, the Bible even talks about in the Proverbs that we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't uh, lay out a trap for someone or dig a pit for someone because it says uh, those who dig a pit for someone else will end up falling in the pit themselves. And that's similar to what happens with Israel's enemies throughout this book. As strong as they are and as rough and as tough as they are, uh, it, it becomes their, their own destruction in the end. And that's exactly what happens here. Israel's enemies end up destroying themselves. Uh, their, their own evil comes back on them. Now, it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, God didn't force any of these Midianites or any of the enemies of, of the people to be evil, but they chose to be evil, and ultimately their evil led to their destruction. And the same is true for our enemies. Uh, first and foremost, for Satan, our greatest enemy. Now, he comes against us. Now, I don't believe uh, for a second that God ever forced uh, Satan to be evil, uh, but he is evil, and he continues to do these evil things. And one day, all the evil that we see in this world, it's going to come back, and Satan's destruction is going to happen. There are lots of people in this world who may come against us, who may do evil things to us, and, and, and Lord willing, maybe one day they will seek Jesus Christ, and they will turn, and they will avoid the pit of destruction. But if that day doesn't come, all of the evil that's done in this world, all the people who come against us or come against other brothers and sisters in Christ will one day experience the same type of thing uh, that these enemies of Israel, that the Midianites faced here. They will face their destruction. There will be a day when the trumpet blows, just as the trumpets blew here, uh, that the enemy uh, will have nowhere to turn, that the enemy will uh, be done for, and that day will come, and that will be that. Here at the end of the verse here, we see after these 300 have the Midianites on the run, that the other tribes are called in and begin to come along with them. Uh, Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, which are all tribes of Israel, uh, they begin to come and they begin to drive the Midianites out of the land. Now, there may be things in our life that we need to drive out or that we wish that were driven out. There may be sin in our life. There may be trials in our life or worries in our life. And we can't drive those things out of our life by our own strength. We trust in the Lord, and, we, and, and, and by the Lord's strength, He helps us to begin to drive the enemy and drive the sin and drive the worry out of our life. And even sometimes, even though we may, by the Lord's strength, be uh, overcoming the enemy or the things that are in our life, there may be times that we need to call those brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside us and say, look, I'm struggling with this. I'm worried about that. I'm sinning in this way. Would you pray uh, that, that I would, wouldn't give in to these temptations? Would you pray that I would overcome this trial? Would you pray that I wouldn't be stressed? Would you pray that I'm worried? Would you help me to run these things out of my life? And just as the Israelites, by their trust in the Lord, begin to overcome their enemy, uh, and, and then the other uh, tribes came behind them to help run the enemies completely out of the land, that might be a good example for you and I. It starts with us and our trust of the Lord to know that He's going to deliver us, but there are times that we need the help of one another to, to, to talk to and say, look, I'm struggling, would you help me? And when we do that, when we trust the Lord and when we work together, even as weak as we may be or in few numbers as we may sometimes be, when we start with trusting the Lord, we can overcome our greatest enemies. And if God can do that with the Israelites in this story and Judges, then guess what? He can still do it with you and I today. Let's pray. 
Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words and I pray that you would help us to trust you. Maybe there are things that we are just worried and stressed and tempted by, dear Lord. I pray that you help us to overcome them. I pray that we would trust you to know that we can overcome, God, that we don't have to give in to sin, that we don't have to be overcome by stress, but God, you can give us peace and you can give us strength. And God, help us to trust you. Even if we don't understand what's going on, even if it doesn't make sense, dear Lord, just help us to trust you. And if we do that, then that's all we can do, dear Lord. Whatever happens, happens in our life, as, as good or bad as it may be, dear Lord. If we're trusting you and being obedient to you as best we can, then God, we've done all we can do. And I pray that you would help us all to do that, to trust you, to be there for one another, and to be able to overcome the, the worries and the fears and the sins in our life. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.